Hello and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Uh, we're brought to you today by Tough Love Screenwriting, a Brass Knuckles Boots on the Ground Guide to Building a Paid Professional Screenwriting Career, written by veteran working screenwriter John Gerald. Available now on Amazon.com. There's a link on our site for your convenience. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our site, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we welcome to the show an Emmy-nominated writer whose credits include the Oscar-nominated animated features Treasure Planet and The Princess and the Frog, and a string of hit TV series such as The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Full House, and Living Color, Rock, The Parenthood, In the House, and The Naked Truth. He's also a screenwriting instructor, and I welcome to the show today, Rob Edwards. Thanks for coming on, Rob. How are you today? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Awesome. Um, I was losing my breath talking about how many shows you've worked on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's daunting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but first off, we do like to get to know you a little bit better. I know you're from Detroit. Um, yeah. you, went, you went to the same high school, although you didn't go with Mitt Romney, but you went to the same high school as Mitt Romney. Uh, you're uh, a Syracuse Orange Man or member of the Orange yeah, Man? Exactly. I don't know that. Orange Man. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got in, interested in pursuing a career in entertainment and how that all started? Yeah, well, um, uh, it's funny because, like, yeah, at, at Cranbrook, um, it was basically the future Mitt Romney's, you know, and all these guys were going there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it was a huge culture clash because, you know, I'm coming from Detroit, um, you know, uh, uh, African-American from, you know, whatever. And and this this great, like, clash of, uh, uh, of cultures for me. So immediately I'm kind of learning. I had to lose my accent. I had, to, you know, all kinds of things. And I don't know, I just... A lot of writers that I talk to come from the same kind of background, where all of a sudden, all of the codes, all uh, everything, um, uh, you know, you have to learn a new language, and uh, it just gets in your head, and you start to see the world from a slightly different perspective. And so for me, that was a that was a ton of fun. Uh, also, at the school, they had a huge arts um, component, so I, I started getting into writing short stories and uh, short plays. Uh, I directed a play while I was in high school. Who gets to do that? Uh, mm-hmm. I got to teach a class in um, in filmmaking. Yeah, one of the things they have this thing called January term, which is two weeks where you get to teach uh students get to teach if they want uh anything uh that they want to and i made a short film there um which was a ton of fun uh i learned a, i learned a lot uh <laughs> doing that uh in high school i used to also do animation I, I i did clay animation and i could i had a comic strip so i would draw uh that was actually kind of where i learned to write jokes was just uh was just my comic strip um and uh and for me i would just write letters uh, while I was in uh, uh, high school and also college, I went to, you know, of course, Syracuse, the, the film program there. And I would write letters to guys that I, I admired in Hollywood. And a lot of guys just told me, you know, uh, first, uh, study success. Study the, the filmmakers that I loved um, and how they became, the you know, uh, uh, whoever they were. You know, Woody Allen, Larry Gelbart, uh, Mel Brooks, guys like that. Um, you know, what did it, did they do to become who they were and then, you know, modify that and, and kind of do that myself. So I discovered that each of those guys, uh, all started off as stand-up comics. Uh, they all wrote for variety shows, um, uh, for TV for like a, a decade. And then they wrote movies and then they directed and wrote movies. Um, and that's basically, you know, that was their trajectory. And so for me, I started at Syracuse. I did stand-up comedy. 
Hmm. Um, uh, I, I even did that when I was in L.A. I was at the Ice House and the Improv uh, regulars uh, there. And then, um, you know, wrote TV, or of, of course, uh, more than a decade of TV, and then went in, uh, into movies. And by the time I got to movies, I discovered that I'd written so much TV, the process of writing movies was just a blast. You know, I had so many skills. I had my whatever, however many thousand hours right. <laughs> that, uh, that we're supposed to have. Um, you know, I was just really, it was, the craft of it was easy for me. It was just a, a matter of finding finding my voice, finding some, you know, fun content. And, uh, yeah, so at Disney, I just had a blast. Uh, and yeah, so, so now I'm, you know, now I'm kind of turning around and teaching and stuff like that. But, uh, but, but that's basically like from Detroit to, to now that's, that's, uh, that's my story. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioned, you mentioned before that you have uh, an interesting story about how you were sort of discovered, um, by having, what you describe as the worst job ever, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as be, being the soda guy. Uh, maybe you can relay that story. Yeah, at, at MTM, which is uh, Mary Tyler Moore's company, um, uh, when I first got out to uh, Hollywood, which is mid eighties, the um, they had this room that was, uh, you know, uh, a, a soda stock room, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, floor to ceiling with uh, with sodas. And somebody, you know, me, was supposed to kind of take the sodas, put them on a cart, and deliver them to various productions around the, around the studio. It was, uh, you know, th this hot box. It was just <laughs> awful. It was, it was just, you know, uh, uh, even the the uh, supply guy and the Xerox guy would kind of look down at me, you know, whatever. <laughs> the, the worst job, uh, uh, I'd say it, it was the worst job in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, But for me, I, I said, okay, great. I uh, The advantages of it are that I have... Um, access to everybody. You know, I'm, I'm visiting everybody's office. Uh, I, if I did it right, I would have some extra time so I could kind of talk, uh, talk to people. I could meet as many people, you know, as many of the writers that I was aspiring to be as, as, as possible. So I just had a ball with it. I, um, uh, I was writing my spec, uh, and I kind of bribed the Xerox guy to turn his back. I Xeroxed 100 copies of my spec, and uh, when I would deliver the uh, sodas, I would put one of my, you know, put my spec on top of the pile and I would say, here are my sodas and my spec. E both are equally refreshing. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, some of them wound up in the trash can. I figured that was, that would happen. And, but I saw that like, I've had these bright yellow um, uh, covers on them and I would see people kind of carry them uh, uh, to home at night. And I thought, Oh, this is great. Excellent. You know, even an agent probably couldn't have gotten as, as good a coverage as I, as I had on the, on the lot. And fortunately for me, like two guys, uh, who had deals had just gotten shows picked up. They were out to lunch with each other, and they said, "You know what? I'm thinking about hiring the soda guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> on my staff. Uh, I read the guy's spec. It's, it's actually pretty funny." And the other guy said, "Oh, wait! I was going to hire the soda guy. Um, you know, for my show." Both guys paid the check, ran back to their offices, and <laughs> called me and said, "You know, hey Rob, who's your agent? We, you know, I want to I want to get this deal in place really quickly." And I said, "I don't have an agent." So uh, so they said, "Okay." We're going to fix that this afternoon, and they each called their uh, their agents, and uh, you know for whatever reason, you know when when two agents call you, you just wind up like on blast around Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So everybody started calling me. I got dozens of calls into the soda shed, you know, into the soda shed, and uh, everybody was like, 
who are you and why are you in play? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years old and uh, I had all these interviews with, uh, you know, the the, the major uh, uh, literary literary agents. And uh, I had my pick, you know, I just picked the guy I liked the most. Uh, it was a terrible, I tell that story and everybody just wants to stab me because it was just way too easy to get re- representation. And I had, you know, multiple offers. Uh, I got my, you know, joined the guild before I turned 21. Um, and it just worked out really nicely for me. But, uh, but yeah, starting in the soda shed, worst job ever to, to getting to, uh, you know, getting to work, uh, kind of fun. Yeah. And you had agents calling you up uh thinking the soda shed is a new production company they hadn't heard of yet. Yeah, <laughs> and it exactly. turns out to be a, literally a shed full of sodas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who is this? Yeah, it's like uh Shane Black's uh hotel, you know, where where all these writers are coming from. Like right. oh, this soda shed. Yeah, exactly. Um what's your favorite soda? My favorite soda. <laughs> Actually I'm big on what is it, the um uh the trivia stuff. Um, okay. so I'm, I'm, I'm weird, but, uh, so you buy but, your sodas uh, at otherwise, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like, uh, uh, you know, Diet Coke, Diet Coke gotcha. is, 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 is top. Diet Coke has always been uh, a big save. Right. Now, <laughs> now, now your father's a doctor. How did he take you pursuing a career in Hollywood? Oh man, it was awful. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> my dad is a, uh, he's not, you know, he was like, uh, he's a gastroenterologist and he was chief of staff at uh, the biggest ho- uh, ho- hospital in, in Detroit. Um, and so he's, he, you know, moderate celebrity. And it was always just preordained that I was going to go to, you know, uh, go, uh, uh, go to this wonderful private school and then go to med school and then partner up with him. And, uh, you know, we would both be gastroenterologists. And, you know, he took care of the mayor. He, he had all these uh, wonderful clients. And I, you know, turned to him one day, I think it was a junior, and I said, hey, Dad, I want to write jokes instead. <laughs> and he said, and he said, no, absolutely not. That's not going to happen. You know, I have it all, I have it all tracked out for you, what, what med school you're going to go to, where you're going to intern, you know, the whole thing. I said, no, I really, I just want to write jokes, Dad. And uh, I'd been going on um, uh, rounds with him, you know, where you go and visit the patients. I'd been going on rounds with him since like seventh grade. So I knew all of his patients. I'd worked in his office, the whole thing. So it was just heartbreaking for my dad. And uh, the deal we made was I would have uh, nine months out of college to uh, to make a living in Hollywood. I, I wasn't going to come come back home and live in the garage and you know and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was just going to be it was going to be either you know I was making a living at it or I was uh, you know back in med school. And so for me, you know, the the, the soda story happened pretty quickly. It happened uh, I think a couple of weeks after I'd gotten out to Hollywood. And so within three months, I had a, uh, I had a job and, um, you know, in TV, which is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a 20 year old kid is, uh, is, is, is amazing. Um, and so, so my dad kind of calmed down a little bit after that. And, uh, uh, all of, all of his friends whose sons and daughters actually had become doctors, uh, were, you know, uh, I, I should say not, but I don't want to, you know, whatever. But but it was he was very very happy that uh, that that his son was, uh, you know, kind of on TV guide and uh, and that kind of thing. So that it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Nice. Yeah. Now you've had obviously a, a very long career in television, writing mm-hmm. all kinds of shows. 
But more recently, again, you've written a, a pair of Oscar-nominated animated features, and and that's one thing that we we haven't really covered as much in terms of our interviews and podcasts. We get a lot of questions from uh, writers who have written an animated spec, and they have a lot mm-hmm. of problems with it, meaning yeah. a lot of animation is developed in-house or based on already yep. established IPs. So we get asked a lot, what the what's the best way to sort of market an animated spec? Yep. <laughs> See, I'm going to give you a terrible answer, <laughs> which, is, which is not to write one. Right. Um, the problem is, okay, if you're at Pixar, Pixar, all of the... Um, uh, everything is written by the directors themselves, right? The, the, the directors are the primary writers on their, on their films. At Disney, uh, the same kind of thing. The ideas are generated internally, like you said. They're, they're, you know, their IP, their, you know, uh, the princess movies, all that stuff. There's a, you know, wide, uh, you know, a uh, 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 you know, swath of uh, stories that everybody is, uh, is kind of pulling from. And then, of course, now the Marvel stuff and all that and, and all that. And uh, at most of the studios, there are things like it. A director will come up with an idea, that kind of thing. What they look for, uh, if you look at the, you know, once again, if you're studying success, like I was talking about with Mel Brooks and all that kind of stuff, look at the writers who are actually writing for animated movies. None of us have written an animated movie. You know, none of us come from animation. We all come from live action. Mm-hmm. And really what they're looking for are people who can, who can deal with characters who have maybe written something with a little bit of a, um, uh, an animated flair to it, you know, kind of like a, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe a superhero kind of thing, or, or maybe something with a, with a visual element that's kind of interesting uh, and, and wild. But rarely do, do people kind of uh, hire guys who've actually written animated specs. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just looking for characters and real, real, real characters. You know, even though Fr- Princess and the Frog, you know, 90% of the movie, the guys are frogs in the bayou, right. they're real people. You know, they're, they're, mm. they're people that you should be able to relate to. And, um, and that's what they're looking for, uh, uh, you know, 90% of the time. Guys who are e- either good with jokes or good with character or both. And, um, and a lot of times, I, like, I'll read specs, uh, guys who have written animated specs, and they're just too cute. You know, nobody writes animation like, like people write animated specs. Mm-hmm. They are not cute. They're written for adults. They're, they're you know, um, if, you, if you get caught up in the, in the idea of writing a cute animated film, you're really kind of cutting, off, cutting down the audience. Um, you know, uh, uh, nobody in animation thinks like that. Everybody writes movies that they themselves enjoy. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, uh, uh, what was it, Up was written by, you know, one of the guys who, uh, who wrote Up uh, wrote The Station Agent, you know, um, the guy who just wrote um, uh, uh, Big Hero 6 came off of, uh, what did he done? He did, um, I think, March of the Penguins, and he did some other uh, smaller uh, independent stuff, but, uh, but some really deep stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was out of TV and, and stuff, but the spec that I was hired on was a, was a live-action spec. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a trap because you think that, you know, oh, if I just show them my little duckling story, uh, you know, that, that that'll, that'll, that'll carry the day. But more often than not, the, the uh, people who are reading the stuff, they've seen, they've seen the premise that you're working from. And, uh, and, and, they're, and it's just going to turn them off. Uh, it's, like, uh, it's like in TV, you know, they say never write a spec for the show you want to work on. Mm-hmm. 
it's the same exact principle. Um, you know, the, the uh, animated directors, they will just poke holes in whatever you've written and, uh, and, and go from there. Um, even at, like, uh, if you're pitching to John Lasseter, you, you don't really show him scripts or anything like that. You show him a world, a character, and a world. That's what they're looking for um, as far as fresh ideas. And you pitch three ideas. You don't just pitch one. Um, and, uh, and from there, if he likes the world, because there's, you know, as there are more and more and more animated films, uh, uh going on, the amount of worlds <laughs> that you can put a film in, uh, you know, decrease exponentially. Right. So, you know, the world of toys that come alive, you know, that's been done. The world of goldfish, the world of, you know, uh, zoo animals, uh, you know, monsters, uh, insects, monsters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, geez, what was it last year? I had, uh, three people, uh, three different large producers came to me with ideas about like monsters that live under the bed and you know uh, everybody's under a non-disclosure agreement so you can't you know so nobody knows what everybody else is working on but everybody's working on the same ideas and uh and you know you have to kind of come in with a with a fresh take and a take that feels real and uh and just for whatever reason they seem to trust uh live action guys more mm-hmm. yeah, right I don't know. now a lot of these writers who have written animated specs have asked, do you think it would be better to market it, even though it was written with animation in mind, uh, mm-hmm. but market it as sort of a live action, like a family or a comedy, and if they get traction, then sort of nudge it into that animation realm, because that's obviously the sensibility and, and why they wrote it, or stick with it as an animated film and that and, and you know and sort of live or die by that well i you know if it's if it's written to be animated i would say like fully you know just go with it mm-hmm. uh go for it and and write it animated there there's nothing um <laughs> there's nothing worse a lot of times that you see uh, uh films that are uh that kind of hedge their bets between uh, between animated and live action and animated films are animated. You know, you have to really make the case for why this film is uniquely an animated film. Um, you know, uh, now the kind of lines are blurred. There's so many movies about human beings, uh, you know, uh, human beings that happen to be animated. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and frankly, you know, if you look at a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, that's basically an animated film to me. Right. You know, like, two of the five two of the five main characters are animated. Right. And, uh, you know, if you look at something like, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Gravity, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there are very few actual live-action scenes in that. Uh, and the, the uh, you know, the animators are very proud of the work that they've done because they did 90% of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Planet of the Apes is, is an animated film. Most of the Avengers movies are animated. Right. Um, and that's the mindset, like, that, that there is no, you know, that Gravity has a different... Uh, different way of operating in those movies. And, uh, you know, uh, characters are much more dynamic. Things, anything can happen. Um, the last thing that happens, like I'll see a lot of animated scripts and, and people will have two people sitting at a diner, you know, just right. talking. I'm like, that is not animated. You know, you, uh, animated characters are animated. They move around. They do, you know, there's multiple levels of action usually, um, in the good ones. Uh, you know, the, the, they, they race along. If you look at Lego movie, Lego movie is a blast, you know, mm-hmm. from, from frame to frame to frame. It's just a it's just a a roller coaster ride, 
And that's the way, if you're going to write one, then that's the way, that's the approach you take. You know, uh, right. don't, don't try to hedge your bets. Don't try to do anything. Just try to blow people's minds with, uh, with just how dynamic your, your, your brain is um, and, and what, you, what possibilities you can bring to the impossible. Right. Um, you know, the impossible. Well, I mean, for example, you would mention Guardians of the Galaxy had two yeah. of their characters that were computer generated. But you could take it the other direction. Big Hero 6, literally everyone else was human except for Baymax, the medical robot. Everyone exactly. else, I mean, that could have been literally a family film, a comedy, action comedy for families. Yeah. Live action. Yeah. Because literally yeah, one character a, had to be animated. Exactly. That's a knock on that film. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I would say like Meet the Robinsons, the same kind of thing, mm-hmm. where, um, where every so often, you know, and a lot of the... Uh, some of the stuff coming out of DreamWorks, you know, Peabody and, and, and stuff, there, the, uh, there are a lot of um, live-action characters and live-action characters that could very easily, you know, yeah, um, uh, go the other way. It's a, it's, um, I mean, those, those are all fantastic movies, but, yeah, you, you want to, I mean, the first thing they tell you at Disney is, like, why is it animated? You know, that's the first question in any idea you pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, well, because, you know, lions, <laughs> lions can't talk. Right, Awesome. Right. Okay, off you go. Right. You know, <laughs> if you actually filmed ants running around <laughs> in, the, right. in the leaves, it would not be entertaining. Right, awesome. Right. Great. Let's animate that one. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, the or Incredibles guys in ant costumes walk... would be terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It would just be bad filmmaking. Yeah. The, um, you know, the Incredibles kind of uh, is, is the, is the great, you know, th- that's the, that's the rule, you know, the, the, the exception pools rule where all of those characters are dynamic and, um, and, you know, uh, Elastigirl, uh, stuff like that. You would be very, very hard to do, um, uh, convincingly, uh, in live action. Uh, you know, but, but within that, it's like, mm, yeah, you could have done that, you know, the way, mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man, um, you know, and, and, and these movies, you could probably have done that movie live action and nobody, and it would, and the movie would be equally entertaining. Right. Nowadays. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, the, the, and the technology is just, you know, is just getting there where, right. you know, I mean, the, the final frontiers were kind of like, what was it? Wet hair <laughs> and right. smoke. Right, right, right. <laughs> but oddly enough, those things were just challenges to uh, to, to animation for for a good long time. And now that those things have kind of been uh, 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 done, you can really, you know, uh, I mean, there are the seamlessness of some of the animation in, um, like I say, a movie like Planet of the Apes or uh, or Spider Man or um, Guardians is amazing. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, Avatar. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, why that's not considered an animated movie is is beyond me. Right. It's sort of like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbitish. I mean, there are live action yeah. actors, but you know, there's a, a huge ch- chunk of it is animated. Most of it is animated. Yeah, exactly. They're in an animated world. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from just on a side note, I remember uh, that the animated film Final Fantasy, which did terrible. Um, yeah. Right. Oh man. But yeah. but I remember for them it was sort of groundbreaking. I had big hopes. I had big hopes for that movie. I'm sorry, what were you thinking? You know, I just think, I just remember that talking about hair, for them it was groundbreaking animation-wise because, like, every strand of hair on people's heads was animated individually instead of a big clump of hair, and that was, like, a big thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Talking about hair and you know have getting yeah, and hair was point. like a character in that movie right you right know? exactly every time she walked there would be like a little wind blow right. <laughs> yeah. it was almost like Pocahontas where it's like okay good right. the hair is going to do some acting now right yeah. right um, 
Now, uh, talking about, you had mentioned Disney, and obviously you can't give him any trade secrets or anything like that. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you probably signed NDAs up the Wazoo. But talking about pitching for animation and how that differs, if at all, from pitching live action. I mean, do yeah. you have to have any storyboards? Do you have to? Ha- I mean, how does that work? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's all visual. Mm. Um, you know, if you're pitching, uh, if you're pitching a a live action movie, you're probably going to have your, you know, you may have your corkboard up or your, you know, slides on your laptop or something like that. You're going to have words, and you're going to kind of go back and forth to the, to the words. Maybe if you're fun, you know, you'll have some clip art and some stuff. But if you're pitching uh, animation, um, you're usually doing it. I'll back up. Uh, that animation writers have not been part of animation uh, until um, the what is it mid early to mid nineties when uh, Katzenberg took over uh, Disney, and he kind of demanded that writers come in and demanded that everything be written in script form. But before then, there were none. You know, there was zero. You know, of Aristocats. Uh, you know, one hundred one Dalmatians. All that stuff. There were no writers. Um, uh, if anything, there were guys like Bill Pete and some of the uh, great storyboard artists who would uh, who would tell the stories. While Disney himself, when he was alive, he would walk from office to office telling the story of, of you know, Snow White or whatever it was. And so, and that was what they considered writing. You know, they, there's a saying over Disney, writing is drawing, or drawing is writing. And, um, and so they're, you know, so, so that's where they start, that a picture is the way they tell the story. So mm-hmm. you introduce the character, and they have a drawing of the character. The character's inciting incident, you know, and you have a drawing of whatever that thing is. And, uh, you know, the midpoint, the, you know, end of act two, all that stuff, those are, those are all drawings, and you have a kind of, uh, you know, three large boards with, um, I don't know, seven, seven large drawings per board, and that's how you tell the story. Um, you know, you, you point to a picture, you tell that, that part of the story, you point to the next picture and off you go. And there's never a time when you're sitting there looking at an outline or, uh, or a beat sheet or, or anything. Um, and the idea is you want to make sure that the thing is visually interesting at every step. Uh, the downside is for writers who don't draw, it's, it's really <laughs> awful. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, a comic strip when I was in high school, so I could oh. kind of suggest, you know, uh, drawings. That's actually, well, I had so much fun over there. I was the writer who could draw. Mm-hmm. So, so I could kind of bail us out of, uh, uh, I was, uh, and I was actually not the worst draftsman in the story crew. You know, oh. there were, there were like two guys who were rougher than me, mm-hmm. but, um, but, uh, yeah. So if, if we had an idea, if there was something that was really difficult to do, I would just draw it. I would speak their language, but that's the way you're solving problems all the time is it really doesn't matter what's on the page or how well you've put it, you know, what great language you've used. It only matters if it looks great and if it moves well. Uh, that's why I'm saying like you never sit down in a diner, you never whatever, you know, that, that you're, you're either walking or running um, and the, the faster you're moving, the better off you are, mm-hmm. the more dynamic the action and the more you can kind of string great, uh, you know, tentpole action sequences uh, back to back, the better, uh, the better the movie will be. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at a movie like um, uh, Finding Nemo or The Incredibles, every scene of that, you know, every scene of both of those movies is action, action, action. You know, there's never a scene where, uh, where the stakes aren't high and the, uh, and the characters aren't flying through it. 
you know, bioluminescent fish or, you know, whatever, landmines or, you know, submarines or sharks or whatever it is, mm -hmm. there is something, uh, you know, some, some kind of fun dynamic movement uh, um, because you're also trying to tell a story uh, not with words most of the time. You know, it's not Tarantino or, you're, or you know, Aaron Sorkin where you're, you're right. talking through it. Um, it's pictures. And you want to be able to kind of at some point watch the movie without sound. Right. Because frankly, a lot of your audience uh, isn't going to get, you know, is, is doing that, uh, is doing that anyway. You know, it's kids who right. are, you know, on their, on their parents' laps and you want them to enjoy the movie as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you, again, you talked about the amount of action and everything needs to be dynamic uh, in terms of animation as opposed to live action. What other sort of differences are there in terms of, again, writing for animation versus writing for live action? Yeah. Um, well, I look at it like, well, the, 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 the fundamentals are always the same. You know, mm -hmm. you always want great characters who are highly motivated and great obstacles that, are, that seem to be insurmountable. Um, you always want to start there. And then the question is, uh, for, for good writers, is how can you bring, uh, how can you make the metaphor real? You know, how can you show the, the, um, that the plight of a clownfish who has, you know, uh, a son with a, with a, uh, uh, a small fin are just like, you know, the dad in the audience who's, you know, overprotective with his son and, and, and that kind of thing. How can you make that connection? Mm -hmm. It's so much easier if you're just telling a story about, you know, if Steve Carell has a son or whatever, and, and then that's, that's your movie. Great. You know, the, the, there's a one for one correlation. But um, but in an animated movie, you know that's that's a big big part of it. You know, I, I'm trying to find a character that is not you know is not human. Um, you know, uh, a a, uh, a a pen who has adopted a pencil. You know, a uh, you know um, uh, I don't know a, you know a gopher and and you know the life the world of the gopher mm -hmm. and trying to find like okay well what is that how does that relate to uh, to the audience, to, to me personally. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, what's fun is like at Pixar, they just have this great, uh, they're fantastic storytellers, but there's also these, these really great tenets that they, that they pass down. One is, uh, you know, be a, be a film, uh, film goer first and a filmmaker second. It was Andrew Stanton who said that. And, uh, the idea there is great because it's universal. It's what Aaron Sorkin did. You know, I worked with Aaron Sorkin on uh, uh, Studio 60 uh, a while back, and he and, and um, uh, John Lasseter are almost one for one in their in their uh, uh, theory of of what is entertaining. And it's basically like be in the seat. You know, put yourself in the seat. Um, you know, let the uh, lights go down, open the curtains, and then what do you want to see? What do you personally? As you are a, a, a human being with you know with legitimate uh, uh, thoughts and tastes, what do you want to see on the screen? What's your favorite opening sequence? What's your favorite character? You know uh, what are those things? And and you're trying to put those up. If you're an animation fan, great. You know then you're going to go to to those things. There's a great legacy of animation. For live action, yeah, it might be different. Um, and, and, and that's what I think is a, is a primary difference. But if you ask most animators, they'll say, look, animation is just like filming in black and white or, uh, you know, uh, filming without sound or, or anything like that. It's just another means of telling stories. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, but the fundamentals are dead on. They're, they're exactly the same. Right. We were talking earlier about uh, the, uh, 
the open writing assignment and uh yeah you know the beauty pageants uh but maybe you can t explain a little about the concept of you know beauty pageants owas and things like that cool well for for fans of uh of scripts and scribes i would i would highly recommend alex litvak's interview <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> you go back and it's uh uh he he pointed out it was great and i would uh you know i reemphasize that that there is this thing that's been going on in in hollywood and i guess everybody's complicit because everybody kind of thinks that it's going to work uh which is the open assignment you know this, this notion that you know you get a call from a uh, from an executive and they'll give you something like a uh you know sometimes it's a toy sometimes it's a it's an image from a you know a, a book or, or or something like that I've had, um, uh, you know, just things like a line, <laughs> a line of dialogue or something, and 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 you get sent off to to break a break a story and and um, you know uh, come up with some ideas, you know, three act structure and the whole thing, mm -hmm. and you get to the you, you get to the lot on the day of the pitch, and there are eight other writers um, of your caliber waiting in the <laughs> in the waiting room to to pitch you know before or after you. And, um, and the, the, you know, the, the, the studio hears it, you know, best case scenario, you get invited back to a smaller group, uh, uh of people. Um, but in, I'd say three years, I pitched maybe 15 to 20 of these things per year. Mm -hmm. I've never seen one of these things made. Right. Um, you know, they just go nowhere and they are as exhausting to do. It's, it's as exhausting to pitch a three act movie as it is to just spec it out. You know, mm -hmm. just just write it, and so I would tell you know, I just emphasize to writers like uh, you know, it, it's it's soul draining. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful thing because you get a little audience and all that stuff to you know go in and, and pitch it on the open assignment. But man, I tell you, your 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 time is so much better just just writing some uh, writing a spec and writing it well. Um, um, you know, the, the the other half of that, uh, as I would say, as I'm talking about uh, you know, studying success. Uh, I mean, I would look at guys like you know Christopher Nolan, right? He did he did uh, his first two films were phenomenal. There's this movie called Following that's actually a Netflix instant view. That's it's only about 60 minutes long, hmm. but it's remarkable. It's black and white. He did it on weekends, you know, I guess two minutes at a time, you know, uh, for 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 a long time, and it's really fantastic. It's great acting. Uh, uh, it, it's clearly a Christopher Nolan twists and turns. Heavy characters, great themes, uh, uh, kind of movie. Um, you know, told in chronologically. Uh, you know, it's amazing to see how much of the guy who made Dark Knight is was in his first. You know, uh, very cheaply made. <laughs> you know, independent film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then the second film, of course, Memento, where it was very clear that this guy was you know taking the scene. But those were his first two. You know, he didn't. He wasn't messing with uh, other stuff. Um, if you look at uh, Tarantino, you know you've got uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Um, you know those are those are great. I mean, even before that, he was doing very Tarantino-esque things. He wasn't messing around with uh, with uh, with the studio inside stuff. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, at Heart Eight and Boogie Nights. Uh, uh, Wes Anderson uh, had uh, you know Bottle Rocket and, and Rushmore, right? So these these guys are all you know just really focusing on uh, coming up with a voice pounding out specs in that voice and, uh, you know, and then blanketing the town. And I think that just more as a, as a developing writer, I think there's just more um, in that than, than the other. Uh, you know, the other is just kind of a, you're just working for free. You're just coming up with ideas for free. And, you know, as Alex Litvak says, I, I, I'll, I'll reemphasize, when, you're, when you leave the pitch, if they don't buy your pitch, 
You've just done a lot of work for nothing. You know, right. you can't go and pitch, um, you know, Battleship to somebody else. You know, right. um, uh, it, it's just, you know, even if you change it or, you know, try to do your own thing with it, it's just not going to just not going to make any, any difference. You might be able to peel off an action scene or two, a character that you really liked and stuff like that and, and put those into your next spec. But um, but for all the effort, geez, you know, just write. You know, just uh, mm-hmm. just find your own voice, write it at a level, you know, write it at a scale that, that you, you can have it made and uh, and take that out into the world. And then and then just see, you know, if you're a writer, you may find a director that's that's got a, a simpatico with you um, and, uh, you know, you'll be able to kind of go out and make your movies um, and that kind of thing. You know, doing the studio, doing the uh, the beauty pageants, it's just going to be years out of your life. <laughs> you know? right. You'll be very busy for a long time and you'll make zero money. And right. it's just, uh, it's, it's just awful. And um, I was, you know, at some point or another, I mean, I, uh, uh, maybe they'll start paying writers to come in and pitch, um, you know, uh, but, uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Right. Now, what is maybe one or two of the, I don't want to say worst ideas that you've been asked to, to pitch for but maybe yeah, the, right. most, the, the most bizarre or oddest maybe ideas that you've been asked to pitch for yeah. that you can talk about are there any in particular that stand well, out yeah well see that's the thing they're obvious like if i i can't you know uh, that's why i was kind of vaguely referring to there are toys out there that people right. want to make movies about mm-hmm. um and uh there are uh there are comic books out there that, mm-hmm. that, that, that people want uh, uh, to do stuff for. And sometimes, you know, you'll just get an, um, the worst possible thing, you know, and I've seen this happen and it's, it's, it's kind of reprehensible and, 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 but, and I don't think most writers know about it. So it's, it's something that people should know about, but I've been in meetings where people will say, Oh yeah, we had a guy in and he pitched some ideas. We didn't use any of them, but here, here's what he pitched us. Mm-hmm. So you take it the next step and you come in with your ideas. Right. I'm like, why would, you know, geez, it's so, it's so terrible. That means that some writer came in, you know, whatever, a couple of weeks ago with a smile on his face, thinking that he was, you know, slam dunking it. And, uh, you know, and they say no to him and then they give me the ball. Right. I'm supposed to take it. And then of course I wind up being the jerk because I, you know, they're not going to buy my idea. They're going to give it to, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, whatever David Kep or something, you know, uh, right. uh, to, to to say like, oh, hey, yeah, we have this idea and it's great, it's fully formed, and and here, go run with it. Right. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's terrible. But yeah, there have been things like say you'll get like an email with an image, um, uh, and it will and and you say, well, what what is this? What who's the character? Who are the two people in the in the drawing? Let's see. Well, that's for you to figure out you know, uh, see in two weeks. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's just toys, you know, something or, or something that's trending on Twitter or right. like I've seen things that are like a book title, um, for a book that they don't really like the contents of the book, but they like the title of the book. Right. So they'll have you kind of work on the premise based on the title, based mm-hmm. on the title of the book. <laughs> it's, it's like, wow. You know, did, 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 uh, you know, the, the Warner brothers did, did, you know, uh, 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 you know, all the, uh, the original guys who came to, to Hollywood to, to make movies, were they really thinking that this is where it was going to go at, <laughs> at, at some point? That we'd just right. be kind of sh- putting a, a toy on the table and having a writer kind of go and spend three weeks, you know, banging out a story for it. What, one uh, of the, it, the toughest one I was ever asked to uh, take a stab at was uh, was a board game. Yep. 
Exactly. I've had several board games. And you can't just go in and say, well, I think it's about a guy who, you know, whatever. He right. knows a lot of words and blah, blah, blah. You can't just go vague. No. You have to say, okay, we're in Chicago, 1922, right. you know, whatever. And here's a guy who is the wordsmith of the blah, 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 you know, and, mm-hmm. and his nemesis is, you know, the Q, and, you know, whatever. And you kind of run through it and you say, okay, well, here's your inciting incident. Here's your midpoint. Here's your, you know, uh, end of act two. And then there's this dynamic you know, end sequence where this happens, this happens, this happens. And, and that's, you know, it's a couple of days. It's at least a couple of days to come up with a great climax. It's, you know, it's, you're going to spend a little time kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, inventing your characters, um, probably minimum a week. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're decent at it, you're either going to pitch it to a, uh, a mirror or a camera or a friend. Uh, you're going to want to try to get as, 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 uh, as close to tight as you possibly can, because you do only really have 15 minutes before they, they start, you know, answering their emails. Yeah. If that, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the king of the, uh, uh, 12, uh, eight to 12 minute pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to pack it all in there. Just like, here's all my thoughts and here's, you know, just the headlines of the action sequences and, and those kind of things. Uh, and then I bring it home with a big, you know, uh, big flare in the third act. But, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of great personal storytelling. If you do it well, you're probably, you know, going to those wonderful places that writers go, which is, you know, the, 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 the this personal story the the um you know that you've always been afraid to share with people but uh you know you think that maybe this is a great opportunity and it's just gonna i don't know it's just gonna steal, steal your soul so right so you know uh, uh if if more writers just said i'm doing something else mm-hmm. uh, i think the, the you know we we would a have better movies and just uh you know the, the hopefully the, the studios would just say okay well let's let's either you know work these things a little bit more. Let's get more serious about the kind of movies we actually want to make. Um, let's not send uh, uh, writers on wild goose chases. Right. You know, um, or let's come up with some ideas. You know, let's, let's actually you know, make the movies that we want to make. Right. Um, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of times I feel it's like they have a property or they have something, even the tiniest germ of an idea. And it doesn't cost them anything to take meetings with, right. you know, a dozen writers and then have them spend all this time working on it. And they're just hoping that somebody in the 20 writers that they invite to to come up with an idea blows them away with something so amazing that they're like, okay, yeah, let's move ahead and, you know, develop it some further, you know. But again, exactly. that's so rarely, you know, that doesn't happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because you're talking about, you know, and it's it is easy to... Um, if somebody is, is uh, uh, if you're the only writer coming in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're the one pitch of the day, and you come in and you have a fantastic dynamic story, great. You have a chance of blowing people away. If you're one of 12, you know, it's going to come in that day and pitch on the same theme. Right. You know, like, it, it's, like, it's like if you've gone to an audition, you know, and you'll see just actor after actor. At a certain point, um, they all blend into one another because – there's nobody any good. And you, uh, uh, you know, uh, actor friends of mine will say like, well, how do, how do you pick between so many great actors? Like, and I say, well, I, actually, unfortunately, they're not, you know, if you're auditioning uh, like for, I don't know, Fresh Prince or something like that, there are not a lot of great actors who come in. You know, you'll get one or two that are fantastic. 
and you you have to kind of you know uh, make a decision about them. But most of the people that you see are going to be you know oh, you know really not great. And then you'll and then you'll say oh maybe we'll revise the character or, or we'll do something with it. And the same is true of of writers. You know you'll just have a bunch of people. I'm sure uh, you know uh, many writers will come in with pretty much the same premise and just wear everybody down, you know, by telling the same story over and over and over again. And uh, uh, if you have something that is dynamic and, and wonderful, chances are it's probably inappropriate for the movie that you're making, you know, something that is that far, that much of an out, outlier. Um, and probably the movie that you want to make is, is, is closer to what everybody's thinking because that's, 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 uh, uh, I mean, I'm always saying that, when you see a premise for a movie, you know, when you're we're trying to, uh, when you make a decision to go to a movie and you see the poster, everybody who looks at the poster is going to start writing a movie in their head. And the movie that you see, the movie that you ultimately make, uh, the closer it is to the poster that everybody is, is, is thinking, sometimes the better off you are. Uh, you know, if you have things in the movie that are, you know, that are way beyond anything that, that, that people were thinking, then so much of the, so much the better. If you have things that are, you know, that people have thought they were going to see in the movie that aren't there, then they're going to get upset. But, uh, but the movie that you want to make, uh, you know, if you're having, a, having guys into pitch, it's probably going to be, you know, um, Story-wise, whatever you can pitch in eight minutes, it's probably going to be pretty similar, um, you know, pretty pretty much right down the middle. And then you're going to execute, you know, you're going to execute the hell out of it. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's three movies that are there are three um, uh, 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 what is it? Jeez, uh, uh, Hulks, right? There's there's the Angley Hulk, there's the other one, you know, whatever, and then there's and then there's the uh, uh, Joss Whedon Hulk, and the Joss Whedon Hulk you know, beats everybody else out. Right. You know, there's, there's a million switcheroo movies and then there's big and big is awesome. And, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, as you get, there's a million Batmans, but there's only one dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and if you're looking at it from an executive standpoint or from a pitch standpoint, probably all those pitches are going to sound alike. You know, oh, there's a, you know, there's two people who hate each other and they switch personalities for a day and oh, how boring that is. But there are some really fantastic movies in that category and some really awful movies in that category. You know, it's just a question of like, do you trust the, the, the filmmaker, the artist to come up with a great idea with it? Right, right. Yeah. You know, um, and in fact, it's funny because Ed Catmull has this thing. Where he says like, uh, if you had a choice between the great idea and the great team, which do you pick? And uh, he used to ask this of executives, and they would fifty-fifty. People would say the great idea or the great the great team. And he said, no. He says the great. If you have an idea um, that is great, but the team isn't, the team doesn't work. The team will destroy the idea. Mm-hmm. You know. On the other hand, if you have a terrible idea and you have a great team, the team will discover that that the idea is terrible, and they'll change it to a great idea because they're great, and they'll make a they'll make a great movie. Right. So, hundred percent of the time, you're better off finding people you love. Uh, you know, who, who have uh, similar, you know, similar uh, sensibilities as you, um, giving them whatever idea it is and just letting them run with it and have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and that's why I go back to, like, write a fantastic spec. You know, get in, that, get in that category where a producer will call you and say, you know, wow, you know, I, I really, you know, you have mastery. I love the way you're telling these stories. Um, it's clear that you have a, a fantastic grasp of, of, of storytelling and wonderful characters, and you have this great, uh, this great style. Here's this idea, and here's a 
big pile of money, you know, go off and, and, and write it and, and let's have fun and let's make, let's make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great movie making. Right. The other thing is, you know, you're just running from, you know, you're, you're just, uh, I mean, literally you're, you're just running in fear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're hoping to, to kind of, uh, you know, beat other writers with some kind of wild idea, but the wild idea is going to be the thing that kills it ultimately. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a process that cannot, uh, I don't see how it can, how it can possibly um, uh, generate great movies. Right, right. You know? Now you've given yeah. a lot of good advice so far, um, mm-hmm. and you know, so I wanted to point out that you're also a screenwriting instructor. You teach screenwriting, yeah. and I, I have to ask again: you being a working screenwriter, an Emmy-nominated working screenwriter, mm-hmm. how did that come about? What made you decide you wanted to teach screenwriting, and how does that work? With your oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it's the worst decision I've ever made. No, because I, <laughs> I really don't have any time at all to do it. People send me emails, and I'm like, I, I can't even answer the email if it if it's longer than a couple of paragraphs. I can't. I don't even have the time to write uh, to read it. Uh, simply because I'm, all, I'm 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 on like I'm on deadline right now. I have a, a, a screenplay to turn in on Friday, and they took a week away from from me as far as like you know when they wanted to uh, when they wanted to get it in because uh, they're looking you know it's, it's a financing thing and a lack you know uh, uh, whatever. So all of a sudden I have to write this thing, and I'm uh, I will hang up this phone and then finish the sentence that I was writing right before you, <laughs> right before, you know we we, we, we talked. Um, but, um, yeah, so that part of it is, is terrible, but it's really, really necessary. Like when, when I first got, uh, uh, to Hollywood, like I said, I was 20 years old and I, I was just this kid with a spec and a terrible job. <laughs> and I was, uh, uh, astounded by the amount of people who would just kind of take me under their wing. And, uh, there's this place, Arts Deli in the, in the, in the Valley on, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, these writers would just kind of more or less live there and you go, you have lunch with these guys and they would say, okay, Hey kid, I read your spec. I found one funny thing on it. Everything else was crap. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And they would just sit there and really, uh, really constructively beat me up about my script and what I had done that was great and what I had done that was terrible. And, you know, uh, and if I wanted to take another run at it, you know, here's what I would do. And, you know, two weeks later I'd, I'd write something else. I'd give it to them. Uh, you know, we go out to lunch again. And, okay, three things were funny. You know, you're starting to find your way in here, and I want to talk about this one page that you wrote that I think was inspired, and here's what, you know, whatever. If all the other pages were like this, you'd be in good territory. And these were guys that were like working writers. You know, they were working at the studios, uh, you know, right there in, in, uh, in the valley and uh and just taking me through it you know these uh, there was this old guy uh, Harry Crane who had worked on uh, the Jack Benny show and and everything and i think he just mentored a ton of writers he was just so generous with his time um you know Sam Simon who created the uh, the Simpsons he uh you know he mentored me um oh, wow. Fat Mumford who worked on MASH and and a, and a bunch of other stuff he 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 was great with me um and and then just like this you know, Ronnie Graham these guys <laughs> these guys who had just worked on uh, sometimes Broadway and sometimes, uh, you know, they've worked with Mel Brooks and, and, and all of this. And they just, uh, they were just so kind and so wonderful with their, with their time that, that, that I thought, okay, if this ever, if I ever become anybody, I will pay this forward. And, uh, and so that's my, my big, you know, uh, me paying off my, my, the promise that I made to my 20 year old self. Um, also I found that, that a lot of times, even in college, if there was a, um, 
kind of not job fair, but but these things were like uh, the the uh, uh, people would come in to your career day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who was doing entertainment was like, "Oh, I work in radio, and isn't that wonderful?" And and never I, I would never see a screenwriter, and I would never see anybody who I uh, you know uh, uh, whose work I admired, and it was always just awful. So I said, "Okay, <laughs> great, I, I I will be that guy. I'll be the guy that picks up the phone and uh, and tries to help people uh, uh, through stuff." And doing that, it's um, you know, there are a lot of people uh, who, who want to learn how to write. And uh, and so I'm trying to be as good as I can be. I may this year, I think I have a deal to write a book. I may write a second book uh, uh, along with it. Um, you know, I have my website, uh, which is robedwards.net. Um, and that teaches, uh, I write essays on that and, uh, you know, uh, things I try to be as frank and honest, uh, about, um, about the industry as I possibly can about the fundamentals and the structure and stuff like that. I also have uh, Rob Edwards workshop on Facebook and, uh, you know, just things that crop in where, you know, where, where I'll, I'll say, Hey, this is a, I just read this really cool article. Uh, you know, I'll put that stuff up there. Um, you know, and just and just kind of getting out there and being a different, being a different voice, being somebody who's actually written, who takes writing seriously, who's you know for whatever reason I'm, I tend to be fairly good at it, and uh, you know, a, a kind of a counter to a lot of the guys who make a lot of money but who can't write. You know, <laughs> they're just they're just you know, I mean, no, no, I don't want to disparage anybody or whatever. I mean, hey, let them make their living, but geez, it's it's it's. I mean, to me, it's like it's like getting workout advice from the out of shape trainer. Um, you know, it's, it's why would I want to, uh, learn from this guy? I've read his, I've read his screenplay online. It's awful. You know, I don't want to learn. I don't want to know what he knows. Um, <laughs> at the same time, you know, and this is good, oh, whatever, but, but, uh, you know, I know Casablanca is a great film. You know, I don't need to be walked through that. What I need is what, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm looking at a blank page. I've got a meeting tomorrow what happens, you know, or, or, you know, from a practical writer standpoint, there's nine times out of 10, I'll get a screenplay that doesn't work at uh, delivered to my door at 6 p.m. And I have a meeting at 10 a.m. And so I have to read the thing, I have to break it down, I have to figure out what's wrong with it, and I have to figure out how to fix it, you know, overnight by the by the 10 a.m. meeting. Um, what is that? What is that process like? Um, because that's just, uh, that those are the jobs. Those are the actual jobs. They need somebody to fix these these uh, you know these, these screenplays. If you're that guy who gets the thing, perfect. You know you're 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 well on your way. A great producer. You know this is not an open assignment, but a, a great producer who wants to make a movie is only going to call you. He sends you a book, and you have to break it down. You know break it down. Figure out what works about it. Figure out what doesn't. Uh, figure out the main characters in it. And, uh, you know, and talk to him about it so that he can go and, uh, you know, he can send you a check and you can, you know, uh, get, get writing on it. What is that process? Um, you know, you're not going to get there with a lot of other guys. You will get there if you talk to a, uh, a writer who's actually kind of been through the, uh, the writing wars. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the, the basic principles or themes or concepts that you teach your students? Well, I think one of the best, best things, um, the best things I learned aside of like, you know, be a, be a film goer first, a filmmaker second, mm-hmm. is this, uh, this concept of heart, head, and hand, um, which is where all great art, whether it's music or uh, uh, music or sculpture or painting or, you know, uh, writing or anything like that, uh, this notion of that all three of these elements have to be 
in, in some mix in order to make great work. And so heart is, you know, what you bring to it, you know, your individual uh, experiences, the things that make you cry, the things that make you laugh, you know, your, your, your personal uh, uh, stake. Head is the new idea, you know, the, the, great, the great notion, what do you, you know, um, the, the way that you're moving the, um, the, the industry forward, you know, this, this type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know what? What new spin are you putting on the action or on the superhero movie? Or you know, like in the case of Guardians of the Galaxy, like that's a dynamically innovative uh, uh, movie. Or you know, like I say, Dark Knight. Like, okay, great. Why well, you know this guy has brought this fantastic you know darkness to, uh, uh, to to the way these stories are told, and things get told differently from then on. You know, The Matrix was was like a mind blowing event. You know, when everybody saw it, right. Star Wars. Um, you know, that, that, that's the head, uh, and then hand, you know, your craftsmanship, what, what, um, you know, uh, where are your 10,000 hours in the, uh, in the process of, of screenwriting? Uh, you know, can you say, uh, you know, concisely what it is you mean to say, can you bring images to, to, to the fore in, in the way you write them? Is your dialogue crispy and, uh, and, and wonderful? Does it move the eye down the page? Can you grab the audience? Uh, on the first page and kind of fling them into the sixth page, um, you know, that's, that's your, your hand. So if you have, uh, you know, if you're missing any of them, if you have uh, heart and head without hand, you know, then you, you have, okay, it's a great sappy story. Uh, that's a really fun idea, but it's poorly executed, out of focus. It's, you know, terrible. It's flatty, long, you know, whatever. It's not going to work. If you have uh, head and hand without heart, then you have just this heartless, okay, you know, kind of hack, hack work that everybody's, uh, you know, non-emotional. You just kind of, the, the lights come up and you don't really, you know, you're not emotionally en- uh, engrossed in it. It didn't make, make you cry. There was no real insight, you know, personal insight in it. It's a terrible, you know, terrible way to, to go. And then, um, what is it? Hand and heart without head, right? It's, a, it's an idea that you've seen a million times before. There's, no, there's nothing new to it. It's just going to bore the heck out of you. Um, and, and it's just not a, a, a fun way to tell stories. So you need all three components to make a great work. So as I'm sitting down to write, I'm always thinking, okay, great. Where is it? Am I in this? You know, am I putting my – do I have skin in the game on the pages that I'm writing? <laughs> You know, right. uh, uh, is this personal or am I just writing dialogue? You know, because uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I have to engage. I have to feel like I am the central character in my in my movie. You know, it's, it's what makes Aaron Sorkin great, right? The, the characters right. have his voice uh, intentionally. You know, um, uh, Tarantino. He's writing his favorite movies, you know, and he's putting them on the on on screen. He's sharing a big part of himself with you, you know. The head, the the okay, wait, why am I doing this? Why me and why nobody else? You know, what is what is my contribution? How am I moving the thing forward? Um, you know, and then hand, like that's time, just time in the chair, writing, writing, writing. You know, getting beat up. Uh, you know, t- turning stuff in, letting your other writer friends kind of kind of take it apart and say, okay, this was not clear. This, you know, you took way too long with this. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you learn on my website, of like, you know, just what are the fundamentals of storytelling? And if you have all three of those, great. You're so much better off than most writers, you know, than 99% of the writers I read, um, you know, the stuff that comes across my desk, even professional. Um, you know, and, and, and so if you start there, great. You know, you're... you're at the very least, you know, if you listen to this podcast and whatever, and you take that, you take this, that simple thing from it, 
um, you know, I think you'll be better off. Right. Now, I know you're going to stop this interview and then go off and complete the sentence you were writing before we interrupt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, one of the things we like to ask uh, near the end of the interviews is reading, watching, playing, and listening. Um, what are you reading, watching, playing, and listening to currently? Ooh. What am I reading? Um, I'm actually, let's see. I'm actually reading, <laughs> which is a terrible. Okay, I'm reading The Hateful Eight okay. uh, uh, right now. I guess nobody's supposed to be really reading it because it's not really have supposed to, you know, it's not supposed to be online. Right. But, um, uh, the Tarantino but it's, uh, it's script, mag- right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the got angry at everybody about it. It's magnificent. <laughs> right. it just, it's just truly wonderful. The guy's a master storyteller, and every word of it just, is, it just pops off the page. Mm-hmm. Um, reading, uh, listening to? You said uh, reading, uh, watching, playing, and listening. Oh, watching! Oh, I'm watching this uh, this British series called Black Mirror. Okay. Uh, on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, I it's, heard it was good. It is amazing. Yeah. It's, the, it's basically these. It, it's kind of like a, a format. It's a um, uh, kind of like the Twilight Zone. Uh, but it's our episodes. Each one is a different cast, a different uh, setting. But it's these kind of um, uh, meditations on the information age and, uh, uh, you know, kind of science fiction, like what if we took this tiny thing that we do, uh, you know, and, and blew it up. You know, we, we took it 10, 15 years into the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's these fantastic stories, and it's really well made. I think it's two seasons, and the British way, you know, of course, they go, they, they make fantastic uh, uh, individual episodes, like, you know, Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of leave you, or Luther, or, you know, some of these fantastic right. British series, where they don't do 22 and burn they do themselves like six. out. Yeah, they do. So this is like three episodes per season, oh, and there yeah. are two seasons of it, and mm-hmm. it's 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 uh, it's fantastic. Um, and what was the other? Th- I'm sorry. Playing? Yeah, do you play part? any games? Uh, oh, video yeah. games well, or otherwise, or listening to music? Ah, well, I uh, I'm a CrossFit guy, so okay. I uh, yeah, so 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 that's my play. Um, uh, I actually encourage all writers. Like you're you're on <laughs> terrible. Okay, you're on the strike line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when the writer's guild strike goes, <laughs> right. and you'll never see a more motley collection of this out of shape dude. It's awful. It's just, it's just terrible. So I, uh, I, I take that to heart. When I, when I first got out here, uh, it was 85 and there, there was a strike and I was like, Oh my God, I, I hope, I hope this never happens to me. Just guys who were just winded walking down the block in front of Sony. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, so yeah, so I, I take, um, uh, I take CrossFit fairly seriously, and uh, uh, you know I, I, I go like four times a week, and that's my that's my play. I know that uh, what is it, uh, uh, John August and um, mm-hmm. Craig Mazin on their podcast they did uh, they did a segment on just the importance of fitness, um, you know, healthy mind, healthy body. So uh, I've, I do find it clears my head, helps me think. So that's my that's my play. I try to I try to avoid even though I have two teenage sons, I I try to avoid video games, um, uh, because I'm I'm I will lose a day, <laughs> you know, just kind of trying to make it different levels and and right. uh, just the 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 excitement of, of of shooting things. You know, first person shooters are, are my favorite. But mm-hmm. if I if I get into them, I've I, I immediately have to call whatever producer I'm working with and, and change my deadlines because I'll just never make them. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, CrossFit, I get into, out of, it's one hour, um, feel really good, you know, get energized, and then go to work. Right, so right. That's, that's my that's my play. And listening to? 
Uh, listening to, I, uh, I listen to everything. Um, my son, uh, it's funny, I just got back from a lacrosse tournament. My son, uh, my younger son is playing Division One lacrosse uh, at uh, Loyola next year. And, um, and so we go to these tournaments and while we're there, he plays, he's the DJ. And so we, we drove out to Indio and Palm Springs, two and a half hours and he's playing stuff. And as he's playing it, I was shazamming all the songs that he was playing because <laughs> I'd never heard any of them. So, right. so as I'm writing, I'm kind of going over all the stuff that he played, uh, uh, that I liked. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I have a difference, uh, a, I'm kind of an omnivore. I, I, I speak French, so I'll listen to French rap. Oh. Um, I'll also uh, listen to uh, Baroque classic, which is mm-hmm. bizarre for, you know, black guy from Detroit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and then I'll listen to, you know, uh, I like, I like hip hop and I like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of go through it, have a, have a good time and just listen to a, a nice eclectic mix of stuff while I'm writing. Um, right now, uh, I'm writing something that's kind of actiony, so the the soundtrack as I'm writing is is actually the uh, uh, and I I want to credit the the composer, but it's the the soundtrack to The Incredibles, oh, okay. um, which is why I have Incredibles on the brain today. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the the it, it's just a it's just a great um, it's a great soundtrack, and it kind of gets my heart rate up, and I I'm imagining these characters kind of going through these. Uh, uh, these really fun things. And I'll just listen to like three or four songs over and over and over again until they, until they fade into the background and I can just kind of focus and write. Right. It become kind of like a meditation for me. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for coming on the show, Rob. Oh, Hey, no, thanks for having me, Kevin. This is uh, awesome. Uh, very, yeah, very no, fun. Great. And now, now you'd mentioned Rob Edwards.net. Where can people yeah. find you? Are you a social network? Edwards, you plural, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Mm-hmm. Rob Edwards.net. Uh, and then uh, Rob Edwards Workshop, and I'm going to try. <laughs> like some of the some of the people have, who've kind of been uh, well, working with me on some of this stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I think in early April I'm going to have a uh, an actual master class. Okay. Um, uh, where you know I'll uh, people will get to meet me personally. I'll I'll kind of walk a couple of people through. Uh, what I like to do is is, is occasionally take uh, take students out of the audience. Have them pitch stuff, and then we, uh, you know, we break it all down, and then I, I try to fix it as I would uh, if I was given it as a as an assignment. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of fun. Uh, you know, you just see kind of like it's like a broken car, and then you uh, you know lift under the hood and say, okay, well let's work on the character, let's work on the character's motivation, stuff like that. Uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, I'll be in. I think I'm doing another thing in, in like England uh, in uh, March, and I'll be in. Marseille in October. Um, I'm trying to, <laughs> once again, like, I don't know where I'm going to, I, I do a lot of writing in airports and plane, on planes. Um, and so, uh, so I, I try to kind of keep my, my professional deadlines as, as I, as I do it. But uh, as I said before, it's, it's important to kind of get out there and, and, and do stuff. So if you go to the uh, website, robedwards.net, there'll be a link to uh, whatever uh, lecture we do. And sometimes we do like little meetups. I always find it's it's important for writers to meet other writers who are in their same station because, you know, no matter how much teaching I will do, a lot of times you just get a lot out of just handing another writer a script of yours Mm -hmm. and uh, and just get general feedback, you know. Uh, And uh, fortunately, the people that uh, listen to 
you know, these interviews with, with me or, or that go to my website and stuff like that, they kind of start to get what it is I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach. And so they are of a school, uh, so to speak. And uh, so the guys uh, that you will give a script to will kind of know what it is you're trying to do uh, with your script. And, uh, and a lot of times that's just so completely invaluable. You know, I still have friends as a professional writer. I have a ton of friends that uh, I will give my scripts to and I can count on them for really honest, uh, uh, constructive notes. And every writer should have that kind of thing. So every so often I do a little coffee um, uh, which is kind of a Q and A, uh, ostensibly supposed to be a Q and A, but really it's just so writers can meet other writers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so yeah, that that too we put up on the website. We'll put these oh. little meetups. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, final yeah. thought: I don't know what you call your loan out company, but you should definitely call it the Soda Shack. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah, right. right. Exactly. The soda Shed. That's the soda shed. <laughs> yeah, right. The Soda Shed. Yeah. Yeah. No. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Humble origins. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, but, like but gambling, I, right? Now, wasn't that exactly? The, you know, wasn't that? Or, the, or what is it? There's this uh, a a one thirteen, which is the uh, uh, the room where all the Pixar guys uh, oh, learned. Cool. Um, and so you see a little homage. It's a little uh, uh, Easter egg in all of the movies. There'll be some uh, some little reference to like on a uh, uh, the the, the uh, trolley in Princess and the Frog was uh, a a one thirteen, mm-hmm. and that was the the room that they all learned, uh, you know, uh, learned how to animate at at uh, CalArts. You know, way back in the day. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's where John Lasseter and John Musker and all these guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brad Bird and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the guys who, Henry Selleck, the, these guys who are just amazing filmmakers now, they were all in the same classroom at the same time. And so, uh, so very cool. Cool. So, but, uh, should... I, I, if I never think about that soda shed again, <laughs> it will be <laughs> the greatest thing that ever happened. Uh... <laughs> it was so hot. Oh, man, it's just awful. Uh, but, uh, um, but, yeah, it's Yeah. So be sure to check out Rob's website and his master classes at robedwards.net. And uh, for the latest updates on recently released and upcoming interviews and podcast features, you can follow us on Twitter at Scripscribes. And you can also find us on Facebook and Google+. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>